just did. Yeah, that's interesting. Anyways, Heather Roddy, we're gonna we're gonna talk to Heather Roddy today. She about to be on. We few minutes. And neither of us have ever spoken to her in person. I've never oh, spoken to her. Never. Neither Not of us. Just through text. I think that might be a first. Is it for us? First time we've ever talked to someone where it's like, hi, we're meeting. What's up? <laughs> this is a segueing us to strangers on a street podcasting. What? No, no, oh. no. Better yet, strangers in their own office podcasting, where we just show unannounced into people's offices and homes and start <laughs> to record. Pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> but asking really, really clear, loud, aggressive consent before we do it. Like I drink that. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Are you what are you curious about with Heather? Well, the uh, empath thing has become quite visible in the last few years. And, and I used to wear that term empath or empathetic kind of as a, as a badge of honor for myself. I thought I was good at feeling other people's feelings and hmm. understanding what people need and all those things. And then I realized like, oh, I'm probably just kind of codependent, afraid of being abandoned. So I, I, I'm good at, it's probably a little bit like the, a slimy, ver, like some version of, of um, manipulation, right? It's nice, but I'm doing it because it makes me feel safe, not because I was genuinely trying to help people. I mean, that's, that's kind of how I think about myself, my, you know, my teens, 20s, that kind of thing. I hear you. Okay. So do you, my first thought is that it would be probably some of both, like you clearly. It's both. Definitely. Person, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe that's like a, a a way you are that can be used manipulatively and it cannot be used manipulatively, depending on maybe your I don't know, sure how you're doing. Sure. Doing? I mean, my my sense of like safety and insecurity and you know where I am and, and that kind of thing and and right. I mean, I think I'm an actually nice person <laughs> and can actually feel people's feelings. I really yeah. do feel that, but I yeah. I don't know if I learned that because I was the culture and the family I grew up in all those things, or if that's just actually me. Interesting. Yeah. You no, know, cause I know they say that one thing that creates sensitive nervous systems and people who are, um, feel other people's feelings in a room or, or they're sensitive, maybe not just to the feelings, but to body language and movement in their environment. They're just sensitive to their environment. Yeah. Um, I heard that one of the things that creates that is being in an abusive home this unpredictable mm. emotionally, physically. Sure. You know, yeah. Verbally, uh, because you start your brain just starts to pick up on the cues before the thing happens right yeah um, but then that later can create a person that is like highly sensitive and then they use that sensitivity to be a better human right? yeah are you do you identify at all anywhere on the spectrum of sensitivity uh definitely because i grew yeah. up in a home that was verbally emotionally and physically abusive to some extent yeah and several homes like i was adopted and yeah. before i was adopted it was like really rough yeah and um and that has definitely created a sort of like i hear things in a room really easily and uh if i'm in a if a partnership if i live with a, a partner i'm like always very aware of their location and highly oh. aware of them that's one of the reasons i like to be alone interesting um, more because i i can be i don't have my like little tentacles out like attaching to every little movement in the house right you know what i mean yeah no no no. i get that i i um i, I it wasn't that way in my house it was it was kind of verbally but it was like i i saw it 
I saw the verbal abuse at other people who weren't in our home. And, and so I thought, oh, I've got to act a certain way in order not to not receive that. But then I went to, oh. a, um, I went to a school um, where I was, um, I mean, the, I was the only white kid in the class for the first, first through third grade. That's right. And um, was kind of on the receiving end of a lot of, you know, and in one sense, like natural bullying, right? And the other end, like very shitty and not awesome bullying yeah. at all because um, yeah. those poor kids, who knows what they were going through. Um, but they were there. I remember there were some rough kids there, like those kids, you know, weren't getting enough food and, and you come in with bruises and all that kind well, of stuff. It was a big deal, right? Well, good call too, right? It's yeah. not just your home. It's like, well, how, how much of my childhood was spent in fucking school? You know? Yeah, like, totally. Bunch of jungle cats. You know? Yeah, it's like, yeah. Yeah, good call. That's a good point. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I do think heading real back real quick to when a person has, is more sensitive and more hyper aware Hyper aware. Yeah. I think that's the term I'm looking for huh. of their surroundings that you, one can rewire that. And so one thing I do when I hang around people is, is, is be more my, how I am when I'm alone, nervous system wise, mm. emotional wise, mm. body physiology wise, like t- to the extent that I can control it. And it just takes a little bit of mindfulness and I can actually feel more safe and secure and relax really the word is relaxed i can Mm. feel more relaxed around other people if i just check in and make the choice to do that but my go-to wiring is to be kind of keyed up around other people and by keyed up you mean do you mean nervous do you mean like on guard well you talk a lot about nervous system rewiring yeah uh, your, your your clients right yeah I think that that's one thing that I value as much as anything in this world is doing just that because our experience of life is through greatly through our nervous system, at least in my experience. And so, um, so yeah, just like calming it down. What was your question exactly? Sorry, I got a little. The question was, is the keyed up? That's the phrase you just used when you're in a group. Like, is that a, um, is that fearful? Is that anxious about? What, what in the social like interaction were, you know, was. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. What is it for you? Cause it sounds like you have, maybe, do you have something similar? Mm, it depends on the scenario, like walking around on the street, especially in our na- my neighborhood these days, like yeah. I'm definitely on high alert. Like I'm a <clears throat> lot, I'm, I'm checking things out all the time and it's hard for me to be present with my family or a conversation I might be having. Oh, because I can get quite distracted looking at people that seem like a threat, people that seem like if they're like kind of unhinged or making noises or doing moving really fast. Okay. I would yeah. say to answer your question, then to some extent, I feel that way around people in my home, around anybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, you kind of described how I naturally will feel around people. Yeah. <clears throat> and then when there's no reason to be, you know, hmm. I would really like to be relaxed around people and, and I'm able to make that choice more, but for a long time, man, I don't know. I'm just like, a good word is just attached. I feel attached right. to the other person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the other thing, right. About, about that is you, is you, is there, is there a kind of like pattern of trying to please or, or yeah, 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 totally. yeah. Totally. Yeah. Cause it, it will, it will keep the bad, bad stuff from happening. Right. Yeah. So you're constantly like, 
watering down your <laughs> interaction yourself you know? and you're like you're like that's pushing so yourself down in order to like so pacify them dude that's an awesome topic conversation hopefully we can stick on this with her because because <clears throat> i think that that understanding the extent to which we uh, act out of fear around mm -hmm. a person subtle low level trickle charge fears you know mm -hmm really waters down minimizes dampens yeah. turns the volume down on our on our authentic expression of who we are you know i love that i love the phrase you just use trickled trickle trickle charge <laughs> it's more like the opposite right it's like it, trickle it, drain <laughs> yeah 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 oh here she is heather roddy okay you ready okay all right daniel okay. heather roddy you are an intuitive soul coach creator of the roddy method and host of the podcast coffee talks with roddy you empower empaths and highly sensitive people to harness their gifts, connect to their authentic voice, and step into their power. You have been a sensitive empath your entire life, are a certified energy coach, and through your own awakening and growing a heart-centered business, have helped change the lives of many like you. Welcome, Heather Rye. What's up? What's up? I'm so excited to be here and connect with you guys today. I'm glad you made it. What you didn't realize is you, tr you tripped right into a nest of a couple empath dudes. And, oh well, seriously i wouldn't say that i don't know i we were just talking about that before you came on like we were trying to decide are we are we empaths are we highly sensitive i think i think there's a spectrum and yes and and my personal one is like am i actually those things or am i or am i just a learned codependent like did, because of my family history <laughs> and all that stuff so we can unpack that together all you want <laughs> oh yeah. Well, honestly, I mean the best the the fastest way to decide if you're an empath or not is when you walk into a room or you have a conversation with people, do you feel what's going on without them having to say anything? A hundred percent. Yeah, you're an empath. Do you feel what's going on or because like what if you're wrong? You know, you think you huh. feel it. You know what I'm saying? Well, it well, it depends because a lot of people are not authentic. So they'll be like, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> but empaths feel the anxiety, the stress, oh, the totally. depression, the right. And like, and what's going on in the world right now, yeah. you know, this is why I always tell empaths never to watch the news mm. because they will feel what's yeah. going on without being in the physical space. That's being an empath. There's a ton of people in the world who don't feel that. That's really interesting. You mentioned that I literally had a dialogue in my head when I was waking up this morning about news. Cause I was thinking we've been in this body, as I understand it for about a body kind of like this for like five to 7 million years, right? That's a long time. And during the vast majority of that time, at least as I was like walking through this in my head, we haven't really been exposed to anything out of our immediate sight sound vicinity and word of mouth right and because word of mouth is the only thing that's like spreading and, and there's probably a lot of language barriers and physical environmental barriers like we just didn't know what the hell was going on in the rest of the world for the vast majority yeah. of the time we've been in this brain and this body and so that was really hitting this morning how un you might say i guess unnatural or at least uh non sequiturs it would be or out of sync it would be to have this experience right now of being able to take in what's happening like pretty much anywhere. Oh yeah. I mean, I was, a, I was born in 83 and I was raised in the time with no internet. So I remember like being blissfully unaware, not absorbing other people's stuff. Mm -hmm. And I feel so bad for people that are very 
um, they're unconscious and they're just subjecting themselves to internet news media. Cause you yeah. know, it's all bullshit and it's all contrived. And so, which is a whole nother conversation, but it's like, it create the, the, the purpose of it is to create division, fear, chaos, and to get people to conform. And it's like, when we are apart from that, and we can get into our own bodies and our own energies and shut that out, especially as empaths, that's when you can really thrive. That's when mm. you can like connect to joy. And that's when you can really <laughs> stay focused on your life. But we get so taken out of it and sucked into it. And then it's a downwards, like a downward spiral. Mm. I, 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 no, please. I, I'm no. going to talk right the hell over you, son. I... I'm going to maybe disagree with you a little bit on the, the news part, um, but not the way you think, not the way you think. I think it is all those things. And I also think that there's the war that's being uh, fought right now is what I call the dopamine wars. And it's a war for our dopamine. Like there are, there are organizations that continue to only get bigger and bigger and bigger and smarter and smarter about harvesting our dopamine from us to keep our eyes on something and we are paying for it with our nervous system. We are paying for it with our dopamine receptors and our serotonin receptors and all the other brain chemistry that's going on. That's our, that's our ticket to entry. And the tough thing is, is it creates a feedback loop. This is Ron Cecil's, you know, <laughs> uh, idea. <laughs> and, and we then become, um, we get into this cycle where we can, we, to feel normal, we have to continue to watch all those things like an addict does, right? Like to feel normal, we've got to drink more. To feel normal, we've got to do more destructive things. To feel normal, we've got to get back in this like, oh, Ron Cecil's in, in uh, downtown Portland. I just heard a bunch of bad shit happen. I'm going to text him to continue this dopamine thing I've, I've got to like follow, which is there's bad news over there. Now I want to like carry this over to somebody because I love sharing shit like this. What do you think about that? I think that's also, that's my take. I mean, I, I'm, I'm less, I don't know. I'm less interested in like, they're trying to control us and, and be, I mean, they are, but um, not for the same reasons, I guess. I guess as it is its own topic. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a trap. Yeah, It's a trap. It's not, it's not meant to support you. It is, is not. what it is. It's meant yeah. to like make you feel in fear, anxiety, you know, comparison, focus on the negative and whatever we, you know, my belief is like, wherever we continue to focus our energy, we create more yeah, of that. Yeah, 100%. So if you don't want to live a life that's destructive and the fear and the anxiety and like that addiction yeah. to it, then it's like, you know, shifting your energy. And that's really hard when yeah. it's like that, when it's like, oh, but it feels so good, even though it feels like shit, yeah. it feels so good, yeah. right? Like you just get trapped in it. Yeah. 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 So I totally agree. Exactly. There's something about something about that that I don't really understand <clears throat> and I haven't really uh, experienced myself, which is like the same thing that happens with the negative stuff you're talking about. It also happens with the positive. Like I don't have any negative stuff on my phone. I love looking at my phone in the morning and it's nothing but good news almost every day. You know, I don't have any news feeds and nothing like that, but I have a lot of text threads, messages, kind of, I just get good news and good connections with people, but I still notice I'm addicted to that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'd still rather do that, like look at my phone in the morning, even though it's really good news, than like spend a little time with my emotions and spend a little time with my dreams and spend a little time kind of in that fuzzy space between sleep and uh, waking, which I really value. Um, but mm -hmm. I also have to like kind of fight that first urge to like go over there, you know? 
Um, oh, totally. The first thing I did this morning was I looked at my phone and made a coffee and then I got back in bed and I got on my phone. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if <laughs> and I think it's just, Sorry. oh, go ahead. No, yeah. no, you're good. I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, I really try to practice like not judging myself. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. and like I build a business online, so I do spend a lot more time on the phone, but I noticed that when I keep going to my phone to pick it up because I'm bored or I don't have anything else going on. That's when I'm like, okay, yeah. time to put it down, yeah. time to go for a paddleboard, time to go socialize in person, time to like, you know, just separate myself because, you know, I like a balance as much as I can in my life yeah. with that stuff. That seems What's- like that's, that's the, that's the way to go is, is just like making sure like that every part of your, all of your needs are met, you know, and mine needs to like chill out and calm down and not be stimulated all the time. And how do you do that with like, basically a little heroin box in your house all the time you know it's just it's just it's a hell of a trick access oh, well, to I'll all throw of it, that yeah. away, you know and it, it's like push it away and don't don't use it that doesn't work you know it's like so i've noticed some people do that where they just like don't have a phone it's like where they have a flip phone that's cool that's amazing but my phone brings me so much joy connection money like it brings me everything um not everything mm-hmm. sorry but it brings me a lot that i definitely would not be better if i just like got rid of it you know Totally. I think it's all that perspective of like balance. What's the purpose of it? Why am I using it? Does it make me feel like shit? Okay. It doesn't, but how much time and energy am I putting towards it? And is it working for me? Like, that's the question I always come mm. back. Is this working for me? Yeah, it's mm. working for me. You know, like I was smoking pot all day, every day for my life. And it was totally working for me until it stopped working for me. And then I was like, oh, it stopped working for me. So I'm going to stop doing that right now you know what how i'm saying you know, so I think how did you know that dip- stopped working for you we're gonna jump on that one because i i noticed on your instagram account you were like i'm off the pot i am no longer <laughs> yeah. smoking the marijuana and yeah tell me about that so um i always value being authentic and transparent and actually three months ago i left a five-year relationship And I was in a relationship with someone who was a heavy pot smoker Mm -hmm. and had really, really, really low energy, was really low. And I'm a fucking firecracker. Like I have so much energy. It's insane. So I would have never I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sober right now, by the way. (laughs) Um, but but so like I what I realized when I stepped away from that relationship, I was like, I I realized that I really brought myself down a lot to be on his energy level. And so um, I was, I think I was like going to a pool party or something and I smoked a little pot before I went because I did it before I did everything. And I was like kind of feeling a little nauseous Mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, Hmm. I don't know why I feel nauseous, but like, I don't really like that because pot has always made me feel unstoppable. It makes Mm -hmm. me feel good. Mm -hmm. Like I love the way it makes me feel, which is not everyone's experience with it. And I built my business high, my podcast high. Like I was like, oh, I'm I'm unstoppable. I can do whatever. But when it started to not feel good in my body, I just kind of stopped using Mm. it. And like three or four days later, I was like, that's really interesting. Mm. That's really interesting to me because it wasn't a conscious choice because I I don't think pot is bad. I I celebrate it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But so I told myself, okay, well, I'm going to share this with my, my audience. Cause all my I have clients all over the world mm-hmm. and a lot of them buy in to work with me because I smoke pot right? and they love that because they can relate. Yeah. They're like, they're drug users yeah. and stuff like that. And I don't have any judgment, like microdosing, all that I think sure. is there's a time and a place for it. 
But what ended up happening is I started sharing my story around it and it, it lasted for like six weeks, six or seven weeks where I was like completely sober. And then I told myself that if I wanted to use it, I could use it. I'm not going to have any judgment. And so one night I got a little high and oh my gosh, I got so high. (laughs) It was so funny. I was so high, but the next day I woke up and I was so tired. Mm. I was like, Ooh, I don't like that. Yeah. So I've smoked it a couple times in the last few weeks and I, I feel okay about it, but like, you have to understand, like I was an all day, every day before everything wow. kind of user. Wow. So like sporadically for me, it's, it's like, I'm here for it. I don't have any judgment or any negative mm. feelings about it. Mm, sure. I'm a little jealous that you're able to put it down so fast. Every time I've tried to put anything down, there's always a lot of resistance I feel. And I, and, and I, I'm no, I, I, I'm not a all day person. Like I'm a, I'm a before bed kind of person, but even that I, I have this like judgment over myself. That's like, if I was whole, I wouldn't need anything in my life. Says the person who's also on mm. other, uh, you know, prescribed things. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I've been, re- I've been kind of like, Daniel's been helping me with it. Like understanding what my relationship is with it. Am I, am I microdosing, which I kind of am. Am I, um, am I dependent? I don't know. It's hard to stop. So maybe that it, I am, you don't have to solve this. Obviously I'm just, just talking. (laughs) Well, I think when we, honestly, I think when you release the judgment, like judgment is massive because when you have a neutral energy towards something, Mm -hmm. it kind of loses its power over you. But when it's like, oh, you got to stop it because without it, you're not a whole evolved person. I mean, that's just bullshit. The reality is, we live in a world that's overstimulated yeah. and I don't know about you, but like I really struggled with anxiety and depression yeah. and had a lot of trauma in yeah. my life. And when I discovered pot, it was like a breath of fresh air for me. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, this is a gift to me and I can sleep well yeah. and I can all these things. So maybe the judgment around that it has to not be in your life in order for you to be whole is, is what's holding you is why you feel like it's so hard to stop i'm gonna have a conversation with the judgmental parts of me and ask them why they they feel like they need to talk about that so much all that judgment (laughs) (laughs) yeah well yeah yeah i mean why do you feel like you have to judge yourself so much well that's because the culture i grew up in i mean i i I grew up in a christian uh fear guilt and shame culture and and i and i wasn't this occurred to me um some time ago that like i i didn't feel normal unless i felt guilty Mm. took a long time to realize that and then I realized like oh I don't actually have anything to feel guilty about most of the time and and I would you know I've noticed in my adulthood I would try to cook up something to be to be guilty about if I didn't and to to return to the set point right so um I forget the name of that book uh, upper limit right um mm-hmm. like so there, that's that I don't know if that will ever go away in me I hope it does but it's definitely a different, I definitely have a different relationship with your guilt and shame than I used to. Um, mm-hmm. But I, it's, it's kind of like a dog that, you know, is a street dog or something. And it's still got some of that street, you know, smarts to it, but it's like now in the house and kind of, kind of dealing. So yeah, uh, it kind of feels like that. And also I, I don't drink anymore. I like, that was a big part of my life, a really big part of my life. And I, and, and a, a bit like you, like it was at a certain point in my life, like an all day thing. Like I was drinking on the job frequently, um, mm-hmm. making some bad choices, 
that involved alcohol. And, and that's been in February, it'll be eight years. So there's also that judgment that like, I gave that up and then have continued. Well, you know, it's not even continued. Cause I went for years, probably four or five years with total sobriety, complete sobriety. And then, um, we came into my life and it was kind of like, it was this miracle at the beginning of like, oh my gosh, like I've not had sleep like this in my whole life. Like, this is amazing. And that kind of, uh, relief from overstimulation was real. Like that felt for real. So, um, getting a little high and watching some Ted Lasso is about one of the happiest things I can do sometimes. (laughs) 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 Have a good cry, have a good laugh. (laughs) I mean, well, it sounds like we are raised very similar, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. like our, the first seven years of development really is when you become conscious, you really have to go back and like try to undo what you learned when you were young and you can release the guilt. You just have to believe that it's possible for yourself, right? Where it's like, you can break that pattern for yourself. But yeah, it's, it's really about like looking at yourself as a whole person. And it's like, okay, my soul's here. I'm here to experience something. Mm -hmm. I'm here to be someone and the world's going to judge me enough. I'm never going to be enough by the world's standards. So how can I love myself fully, unapologetically, fully accept who I am? And if I want to get a little high, fuck yeah. If I want to, you know, be sober, fuck yeah. yeah. You know, it's like it's like giving yourself that permission to release any sort of judgment or guilt around what you're doing because, mm. I mean, I experienced this with being single mm. now mm. after being in relationships for the last 10 years. My girlfriends are like, you can do whatever you want. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what to do with that. You know, like, it's like, you know, it's like anytime you open up a new doorway of like being limitless, it's like, well, I don't even know. So it's like, if you stop judging yourself, what would that look like for you? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in, um, I, you know, I went, I went to school to be a minister. I went to school to be a, a Christian minister and uh, around that time I started, my faith started to deconstruct and I started to like realize um, how disconnected I was from the dogma and, uh, and also watching people, uh, are you familiar with the Bible, New Testament, Old Testament? Are you familiar with that kind of, kind of thing? I was, yeah, I was, I was a Christian for like 24 years. Okay. So, you know, you know, the the phrase uh, that Paul wrote, the apostle Paul, uh, you are a new creation, right? That's a, that's a Mm -hmm. phrase that gets tossed around a lot in that world. And, and I, at a certain point, I thought, I don't, know anybody who I could say that person's different that's a very different person I mean I I that's a bit of a that's my judgment on the people I did life with my family close friends all those things like I'm sure there are people who've experienced great transformation because of the spiritual awakening and it's one of those things that sometimes happens right spiritual awakenings happen and um but what I noticed what my point about it was is that I stopped judging myself for being sexual in college and for all of the things that christians have judgments against i was like i'm not doing anymore i am this is who i am i i like sex i like self-pleasure i'm not going to judge myself over it anymore i'm a normal human being i'm a normal man and and this was still kind of in college 
when I was getting towards the end of my degree and watching my peers still really struggle with so much fear, guilt, and shame around their life. And then seeing how that gets played out, the tape plays forward, you know, in the next decade of their life or a decade and a half. And you start to see, you know, you see often religious people who like double down on that and especially come into like leadership or, or public places. And then they like, it all just kind of, you know, frazzle dazzles and implodes on them because they're unable to admit who they are, all their whole self. And it, and it goes sideways. Oh yeah. Well, God source universe, whatever is way bigger than religion. Religion is totally man-made and my whole family is Christian. And so, you know, and like my two older brothers are married and never have had sex with anyone other than their wife. Right. Uh, And I'm a fucking Scorpio. Like, you know, I love sex too. And like, I've, I'm very open and everything like that, but like talking about sex and pot with my family, there was like so much judgment, so much shame. And I finally, because I did have a spiritual awakening where I was like, what in the actual fuck? I am so much greater than all this bullshit. That's why I've become a a coach, a soul coach. Like I'm all about the soul. And what, what it had, what happened was I just started saying to people in my life, like, I don't judge you for believing in Jesus. Mm. So why are you judging me for having multiple partners and smoking pot? And like, why, why do you feel like you get to judge me? And then they didn't really have anything that they could say with that. Mm. Cause it's like, I'm not sitting over here wasting my time and energy judging you and your decisions, even though if I wanted to, I could have a heyday with it, but I'm not right. So I think it's like, that's the judgment for just, you know, even interacting with people who have a very rigid, very um, legalistic mindset Mm -hmm. is it's like, or belief system is it's like, well, that's fine for you but not all of us are cut from the same cloth. Not all of us experience life the same way. Some of us, you know, I'm someone who wants to live fully alive in every aspect of my life. I want to be liberated in every, you know, possible way that I can. And I've realized that my brothers are not like that and that's fine. They'll be with the same woman for the rest of their life. And one of them's miserable and that's his own journey. (laughs) And that's not, it's totally yeah. he's so miserable, you know? And so anyway, but then they, they, I know, they, yeah, they've been together like 15 years. So anyway, but they, it's like, we make decisions based out of fear and yeah. belief systems that aren't necessarily our own. So I think when you yeah, can really start realizing like everything's made up, everything's made up, which Christians hate hearing, but it's true. Yeah. Everything's made up. Yeah. And when you can start to really create a belief system that supports you, like, you know, maybe you're a spiritual guy, you like sex, you're, you know, you're open, whatever, you can start creating a lifestyle that supports you. So it's like, you don't have that shame and guilt because there's no room for it. There's no need for it anymore. Yeah, I've almost, I've, I've played around with the idea of re of like codifying everything I actually believe now, not codifying, but just writing it down because, because in an effort to to relearn or unhook myself from the things that I am consciously and subconsciously still attached to from that, from the way I grew up. And, and so I've been thinking about like, just kind of going through like any topic I can think of and literally writing down what I actually believe, like in practice, like not, not even what I think I should believe, but like what my life is showing around that idea. Because I I think there's a lot of I, I agree. Like it's so much of it's made up and not only is it made up, 
it's made up and then we remake it up once we've heard it and reinterpret it through our lens of existence and through the eyes of mom and dad and our and our siblings and our schools and all those things like we then add more meaning to it because of the desire to be accepted and the desire to be to fit in and and all those things and and now that i'm you know effing 42 years old i'm like i think i need to have like a a pretty strong container i don't know if container is the right word but but at least a I should feel, I, I don't feel solid in everything I know to be true, or at least if I believe in, I don't even know if that's the right phrase, but I, I want to like work that shit out. Does that make sense? Well, I think that's your, I think that's your journey. I think mm. you'll probably, I mean, if you're, you're conscious, you're, you Thank like you. to evolve, right? You do, you do work. Yeah. So knowing that that is going to be your journey until you're no longer here. So it's like my beliefs can pivot, they can shift, they can change mm. no matter what I'm going through. I mean, yeah. even me like starting a business on Instagram, becoming a coach, like my whole belief system changed mm. with what I thought was possible for myself and who I had to become and what I had to let go of yeah. in order to create what I've created. And my beliefs about the world have changed so much. But I think that's part of it is it's like, nothing has to be concrete. It can be fluid. And as you grow and evolve and the more conscious you become, your things are going to change for you and they're going to shift for you. Totally. Which is yeah, cool, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, it really is. Daniel, we're kind of quiet over there, man. Are we scaring you? Oh, I know, we're just like chatting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have another question yeah. for you. I always thought, um, I, I used to be into um, uh, the Enneagram. Are you familiar with that modality of mm -hmm. like, personality mm -hmm. development and traits and all those things. And one of the, um, and I am, I'm not an expert. So even if I'm talking, if I'm, as I'm talking about it and you're like, no, that's not exactly what that means. Like, please correct me. I'm not an expert too. I've just heard of it. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> so there's, there's nine, uh, types, personality types, and then each one can have a few different, uh, variables in there. And one of the things that I thought I was for a long time was number two, which is considered a helper. And, and they're the person who can like come in and fix any disaster. They, they love to make few people feel welcome. Uh, they're good at hospitality. They're good at uh, listening. And, and I, I kind of was owned that for a bit and then became very resentful of that. And then, and the reason why was because I started to uncover how much codependency I was operating in. And, and mm -hmm. codependency, like alcoholism is a family disease. You learn it from your caretakers, you learn it from their caretakers. And, you know, um, I'm twice blessed as they say, where I got to fight addiction and codependency. And, and then, and so that's my, that's for me, like the question around my existence is like, is this empathy? Is this a codependence? Is this, is this like a, like when I was asking you before that thing, I can feel that, but I don't know if that's just like my spidey senses or, or if I am kind of on the empath spectrum, but also, you know, I'm fighting this like shit that I learned as a child, which was like, please everybody. So no one leaves you make sure that you're perfect mm -hmm. so that people don't leave or judge you or all those things. What do you think about that? Mm -hmm. Well, I think both can be true. Yeah. I think both can be true because especially when you're sensitive and empathic and you feel things and you're in a code, like I grew up in a codependent home also. Yeah. And, um, I think it's, 
it's really easy to always like shut yourself down. You always want to make other people feel good. You're always there to, you know, you want other people to feel good. So it makes you feel good, which is a huge empath thing and being called into helping. I mean, you wanted to be a minister for goodness sakes, right? Like that's like a field of calling in and, and helping and healing. But the resentment is probably coming from that, from not having boundaries for yourself. Mm -hmm where it's like, you know, and like breaking the chains and the patterns of the codependency and of being an an unconscious empath, because when you're not conscious to that, you've absorbed things and that's just how it's been for you. It's like, no, you need to be fierce as fuck about your energy, about your time, Mm. about who you, who you give yourself to, because Mm. then the resentment isn't there because then it's always choice. I'm choosing to spend my time and energy with you. I'm choosing to give to you because I'm a massive giver. I give of myself to, well, used to be anyone and everyone. And Mm. now, now it is a privilege Mm -hmm. for me. And and that's not because I am better than anyone at all. This is not a being better than, but it's because I know what happens to me when I give of myself Mm -hmm. to too many people, especially when they don't appreciate it, especially when there's that expectation of, you know, them, you know, if I do this, then they'll do this, right? That codependency. And so now I have that very firm boundary where it's like, yeah, it's like, okay, well, I'm not available for that. And I'm not available for this. And I'm just not available. And so when people get time with me, they're like, oh my gosh, I get to hang out with you. And I'm like, that's how I feel about you. (laughs) So we're, we're in alignment, you know, but that's taken, oh my gosh. It's, that's been a journey to get to. <laughs> yeah, it hit me a few years ago. But I think both is true. It hit me a few years ago when I was getting a massage and this poor lady was telling me like a really rough story about her life. And and I was like, I don't know what I said or did or what my energy is like that this is, they gave her permission to do this. And I felt bad for her. I genuinely did. Like it was not a happy story at all. And she needed help. And afterwards I got out of the massage. Like it, it was at a nice resort in Palm Springs. I was on vacation with my wife. And I was telling my wife about it and she was helping me, you know, kind of process that. But I I thought that this is the last time, this is the last time I would step into a situation where I somehow like give out the energy that it's okay to just like bring me all your problems and and issues and take a shit on me. And Mm -hmm. uh, that was probably four years ago, I think. And, And since then I've been much more protective over myself around that kind of thing but but I I think that's just one of the many facets of people who kind of identify as this stuff oh yeah well that's that's what I refer to as holding space yeah right so empaths by default hold space for people so a lot of the people that I work with you know they're like yeah everyone always tells me their life story they always open up very quickly they're very comfortable around me And that can be, that's why I made a business out of it. Cause I was like, well, I want to get paid for that shit. (laughs) So I'm going to, I'm going to create a coaching business so I can, cause that's a gift of mine. But when you just put up that boundary, like you were saying, like, I'm not going to allow that just energy Mm -hmm. is so massive. So when we set an intention or we put up an energetic boundary, it, it will stop people. It'll block people. And then you get to follow through by not responding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just not being available for it. Just enjoying my massage like a normal person who's paid money for a massage. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. 
Daniel, you're so quiet. Are you like, I mean, man, if you talk, you're gonna get found out. Like, I know. I just I, unravel. I have too many things to say. I, I, I just, uh, I have a lot to say about all this stuff. I don't know why. I just, you guys are going for it. Do it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I am curious. What, what, yeah, go ahead. I am curious. Uh, you said before we started chatting that you had two things you've been talking a lot about: sex and pot. And I was curious if we could check out the form. You said you're newly single. I'm assuming that why you've been talking about sex has something to do with that life change. What's that about? <laughs> yes. Let's yeah. dive into that. <laughs> so, um, so I was in a five-year relationship and it was the, the sex aspect of it was really challenging. And it got to the point in my relationship where he was doing nude and boudoir photography and um, like we, we were not having sex. He thought I was asexual. He thought I was like a horrible sexual partner. He was very degrading. It was really was interesting because nice. like he had a, yeah, yeah. He had a lot of insecurities about his body and yet he was like always commenting on how like my ass wasn't big enough. My boobs weren't big enough, all this shit. And that's very degrading and it creates an environment yeah. of not feeling safe or celebrated. Yeah. And I got to the point where I was like, I think I'm asexual. Plus I was smoking so much pot that it started to kill my libido. So those two things, I mean, I was, cause I'm like a big, like sex magic is something that I practice in my business. It's basically, you know, at the point of orgasm, that's when you're like the most open and that's when you can manifest quickly. You can call in what you want. But I was in a place in my relationship where I was like, don't fucking touch me. Mm. Like, I'm not interested. And like, it finally got to the point where I, I decided to liberate myself from the relationship. Well, I had been manifesting a safe, sexually liberating experience. And I, I didn't know what it would look like, but I was like, I know I'm going to need some healing mm-hmm. after this relationship, but I don't want to just go out. I'm cause I'm very sensitive. I'm, I'm someone who connects very quickly. Like I don't find most men attractive. Like I have a very high standard for myself. Like as you should, as you should. Yes. Well, and I just, you know, and it's like, I'm not interested in sleeping with people who are sleeping with other people. Like I just, it's just not something I'm interested in. So what ended up happening is I manifested a Latino lover um, about a month after, seriously, like literally a Latino lover uh, from El Salvador, at, like at a pool party. And he literally was magnetized to me, which is something that I teach with my clients is magnetism. And, and, and seriously, for the last few months, it's been one of the most sexually liberating and also healing experience mm. for me because when you don't feel safe. Yeah in relationship, you don't feel celebrated. And when the other person is spewing their insanity and bullshit on you, it really can do a number, especially for someone like me who, you know, never really struggled with that before. And um, I'm a very sexual person. And, you know, when he's like, you're so vanilla and like, you give the worst blowjobs ever. And I was like, it's probably just because you, I mean, like, like I'm being so transparent, like wow. to sure. have your yeah. partner say stuff like that. And I was like, what would inspire me to want to yeah. do that, yeah. you know? So I find myself now only three months out, which feels like so long ago, like that thing happened. But this is something I talk about with my clients is it's like, you need to create a safe space. You can manifest a partner that understands you, that celebrates you. And the more boundaries you have, right? Like I'm not interested in with a bunch of guys and a bunch of guys who are sleeping with a bunch of other girls like no thank you 
it's like what it's done is it's created an environment for me to get what I want mm. and you know yeah you thrive liberate that. myself and heal in the same time yeah right yeah yeah it sounds like your friend your Latino lover is also thriving too and not a dick <laughs> totally yeah no he's amazing but he's also not available for a relationship which is interesting because huh. you know yeah. we're like yeah that's a whole conversation we're having right now too mm. i'm well, like call a, a spade a, a fucking spade dude <laughs> but you're saying that to him yeah he's like we're just friends and i'm like okay so if i was just like this with all my guy friends that would be cool and he's like well no <laughs> and i'm like okay so i'm single so like i can go out and date whoever i want and he's like, well, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm like, okay, but then we're not in a relationship. And I, and I don't think things, things need to be defined, but I think it's important to be clear and like just honest about what's happening. Totally. You know, I, I don't know. Have, what do you guys think about that? Guy's was, perspective on that. I was having a discussion with uh, this person I met uh, recently, but we, it was very cool, actually. I was instantly attracted to her. Uh, I later found out she, was, she is attracted to me. And... Uh, but something about the way we connected and where I am right now as a, as like a, a dater, you know, in my romance, like figuring out how I relate to people, I uh, was just like really honest in a very clear way that I had not been before and very quickly and appropriately. It, it was not like too fast, but long story short, I told her like, it sounds like we want different things, you know, that's just kind of a line that's coming to my mind a lot more quickly these days when I meet, cause I love dating. Like Ronald knows, I, I, I love dating. I love dating. It's so fun. It brings so much energy to my life. I love meeting new people. Um, and like flooding my life with feminine, uh, energy, you might say, and platonic, mm -hmm. non-platonic, romantic, uh, grandmas, like little, you know, little kids just like filling my life with just people you know and it's been wonderful and uh, at the same time if you don't want the same thing or have the same thing to offer a compatible in that way it's just inevitably going to learn lead to something that at least one of you will not would rather this had not happened I've noticed that and so like I might enjoy having sex with someone but I wasn't totally honest with them and in the end I noticed that wow I didn't like leave that person in a better state than when they met me, you know, they're well off mm -hmm. having met me probably. And I just like really tired of that happening. It doesn't fit my values. You know what I mean? And so, mm -hmm. but also like, I really want what I want. You know? <laughs> and so it's really been tricky to be honest because a lot of times I'm saying no to something that I know would be really fun, but probably fun at the expense of somebody else to some extent. Oh, I'm so glad we're talking about this because I would love to know what you guys think about this. Okay, so because so, he was very honest at the beginning. He's like, I'm not interested in, in having a relationship, a relationship. And I'm like, duh, obviously I just got out of one like a month right. ago and it was yeah. five years. I don't want that either. But because of the sexual chemistry, because of the soul connection, he's very conscious. We love going Latin dancing together. Like we have, we play all the time. And we've really connected and I've like, I've fallen for him. Mm. Like I've really like fallen in love with him and he loves me, but in a different way. And we've been very transparent about that. And I'm the one who has to shift because I'm the one who's going to get hurt. And we were having this conversation and I would, and he's like, well, do you wish that I would have just 
drew the line in the sand and would have not asked you out, would have not pursued it. And that's kind of a tricky thing to answer because it's like, well, I'm actually so grateful for what I've experienced with him over the last few months. Like I wouldn't want to have not experienced that in my life. So to me, the, the, the hurt or the pain that's coming with it, because I know he's not available um, just because he's new to the country. Like it's not even because he wants to date other people, but it's like, that's to me almost worth the risk because how can you have great connected sex and, and chemistry and connection and not expect one person to not have feelings? Yeah. Like, do you think that's possible? Not for me. No, I like I, I, when I, I've been married for uh, more than a decade and when I was single, uh, well, I also got married very early in, in my life like four years old. Just kidding. Uh, I got married right out of college <laughs> and um, like a very, you know, proper Christian young man he- he- uh, headed to the ministry does. And when I was single and I was like, okay, let's try this like dating thing. Let's try this, uh, you know, like casual sex thing. I could never do it. It just, ne- it like never happened because I think a lot for the same reason you just described, like I prefer genuinely a a strong soul connection that makes it more erotic to me that makes it more exciting to me and and turn down a lot of stuff I mean not a lot but what it felt like a lot to me and you had a line out the door (laughs) (laughs) I think I think that line was maybe a a single a few single people Um, and I I I, I mean I I think for me like I, I noticed that I couldn't be casual because my whatever my makeup is whatever my mental spiritual self is it it attaches and it connects and if that if that if the other end of that connection isn't um healthy and conscious and um you know even like enjoys life in the same way i like it like it does it it, something feels super mismatched and Mm -hmm. man i don't know it just depends on go ahead daniel yeah, so something I've been working on with my therapist is like, for me, it's good to be attached to more than one person. And I'm not just talking about sexually. I'm not really talking about sexually. Romantically, um, everything around that, I guess it is sexual. Um, it's good to not have that all be in one person because my attachment style has been uh, mm. not not the most healthy, you know? And so it's been really healthy to spread that out amongst a couple other people or just other people. And I'm talking about the courting process. You know, you get really excited about someone and then you're like self-worth and your like nervous system all gets clued into whether or not they're responding in a way that you want, you know, it's not healthy. Mm -hmm. And so what I noticed a way for me to, to not experience that is to spread that out. And so I like, am very open with courting uh, uh, whoever I want, whenever I want, like just being very open and abundant to myself with regarding uh, regarding people I'm interested in and then as things take steps further beyond just like texting and maybe going on a date and then into sexual and then into emotional like experiences uh, or attachment I'm just very discerning with taking those next steps Um, but I'm always kind of taken care of and never putting too much of myself worth in into one person and I would wonder like 
Heather, um, you know, it seems like, I mean, I believe both of you when you say that I just really want to be with one person, like definitely, I, I believe that. It's just that I would also ask, why do you believe that? And would there potentially be a way to um, spread out your um, like interest in people into not just being to one person through at least other stages of the like courting sexual process? Like if you were excited about someone else at the moment, what's, what's his name? Or maybe we don't need to know his name. Your Latin lover. Latin lover. The Latino lover. Yeah. The, the Latino <laughs> lover. Like, let's say, let's say when he said, I'm not available for this at that point, you know, if one, if you were, you were able to then totally fully trust that you have a, a, a hard um, boundary in your heart. You're not going to like fall in love with this person. And I don't know what that looks like. That could look like a million things. And then you put your efforts and interests in other people, at least to some extent, maybe not having sex with them, but at least being excited and open and available for other connections that are maybe a little bit better fit. I don't know. Maybe that would put you in a better position three months later where you are now. I don't know, but I'm curious what you think about that. I love that you brought that up because that's actually what I've done because he and I have had this conversation three times. And the last conversation we had, I was like, listen, your actions are very different than your words because you're, he doesn't act like he's unavailable. Mm. And I was like, and it's kind of fucking with my head. And I said, so I'm going to take what you're saying and I'm going to take my energy back. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to have sex with you or not. I'm not sure. I'm going to let you know if I, how I feel about that. I don't know if how open and intimate I feel with you. And I took my energy back Mm. and I put a boundary in place and he felt it. Which is interesting because he's oh. actually like drawn even closer to course, me, even though course, I'm like, yeah. but, but we hung out recently and I was like, so I'm single and I'm opening myself up to dating. And I've never dated in Austin before because I was always up in Seattle. And like, now that I'm single in Austin, it's like a very different vibe down here. And, you know, I, I trust that me opening myself up, whatever that looks mm-hmm. like, whoever I want to date, whatever I want to do, doing whatever I want, whoever I want, whatever, whatever that looks like, sex, no sex, dates, travel, whatever. I, I fully believe that that's going to be the best thing for me. So I actually did recently put that boundary in place yeah, with him. Awesome. And, and I was like, how are you going to feel? And he's like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, well, honestly, it doesn't really matter how you feel because you've been very clear and now Hmm. I'm taking care of my heart and my emotions and you're not my boyfriend and Hmm. you don't get that part of me. And he feels it. He feels me shutting down. He's like, but I want the Roddy like, or, you know, (laughs) he calls me Roddy, you know, like I want the full Roddy. And I was like, well, you don't get the full full Roddy. You don't, you don't get the full Roddy. (laughs) You know, you get parts of me. But it's, you know, because, because honestly, what I've learned in this experience over the last three months is I do want a partner. Mm. I do want a soul, you know, partner. I do want a conscious man that we play it the same way, our lifestyle the same way we, we vision our lives to be similar, right? Because he and I have had that. But like, I want a fuck yes person who wants to commit, who wants to be in it. And I'm not ready for that now. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, so what, what are you ready for? And what, like, what would be the perfect situation for you? If you don't mind me asking, I think it's really important for, and I, I would imagine you feel the same way to get like really clear 
with what that would be. And I imagine you know what that would be. What it would what would it be? You know, I'm still getting clear on that because I don't want to get into another committed relationship right now. Like I do want to be single. I do want to be myself. And I think maybe, maybe I can get clarity as I'm speaking this out, but I want to date. I want to, I want to, you know, I, I was raised in the Midwest, very traditional brothers, like chivalry is not dead in my mind. Like I want romance. I want pleasure. I want playing. I want adventure. I want a dance partner and it doesn't have to just be with one person right now. So I'm open to that, but I'm not interested in giving my time and energy to men that I'm not attracted to, which I've done in the past that I'm not connected to Mm -hmm. that. I don't feel safe with, and that I don't feel like I can be my full self around. Mm -hmm. I'm just not interested in that. So I definitely have a standard but I'm excited to, op- I'm not, I'm not going to go on dating apps or anything like that. Um, I'm just going to open myself up energetically and um, emotionally. And, you know, I believe that people are going to come in my path that are going to, it's going to be exactly what I want. Um, Cause that's what's happened over the last few months with this guy. It's been fucking amazing. But the truth is like, mm. I don't want a boyfriend. So yeah. his boundary is actually a gift. And it's like, okay, okay, that's not a full option doesn't mean I can't still have some fun. But now I'm going to open myself up. And I think it's just checking in with myself emotionally. You know, how do I feel? And trusting my gut. Do you think part of you, even though at the beginning, when you guys started your relationship that um, you both agreed that neither of you wanted to be in a committed relationship yet there because of your makeup, you just felt um, an attachment beginning to form uh that soul (laughs) attachment you know what i mean it's like even though your like brain is Mm -hmm. like i know i don't need this but suddenly you find Mm -hmm. yourself and you're like oh i'm in it do you think that happened to you yeah well yeah because i was in two five-year relationships back to back with guys i was single a year and a half in between and but i and moved in very quickly with both of them Mm. And after I'd moved in like six months later, it was like, what in the fuck did I do? Mm. But my belief system was we're committed. We're in this. Maybe I'll marry them. Maybe I'll have children. Thank God. None of that happened. But so this is a breaking of my, um, yeah, Yeah. huge. And so I'm, I'm so grateful for him because I don't want to get into that, even though I'm like, oh, I'm feeling that that love and that, yeah. but it's because I feel safe. I feel connected. And there's a lot of other men out there that like, I've never been with a Latino man and I'm here for the Latin men. Like they're amazing, <laughs> but I'm also open to exploring other men, but like, they got to be conscious. Yeah. You know, it's, you uh, know they got to, they got to like own their shit. They got to mm-hmm. know who they are mm-hmm. and like all of that stuff. But yeah, I, it's, it's a pattern that I've, yeah, I've been breaking. I bet it's gonna so be, I don't really know what it looks like. I bet it's going to be kind of challenging for you in a good way because, like, when I have gotten out of long term relationships, being on kind of like the path of growth and authenticity and, and like succeeding in that path, definitely more myself and know, know myself more than I did last year, let alone five, 10 years ago. And you become more attractive. Like, and I'm assuming that being coming out of a long relationship, especially one that was like dampening you down, that you, I imagine you're experiencing like a sort of rebirth, you know, in, in several ways and feeling liberated and free of that, but then also kind of 
expressing and able to express the growth that you were working on all of those years, but maybe couldn't actually mm-hmm. feel because of those like ways that you were being dampened. And so you're probably, I would assume in like a very attractive place, like you, you, you obviously like physically attractive, but I just imagine that kind of like, if, if your experience is anything like mine, like you experience like a, a growth spurt and like this, all this life coming from you, you know, and people are attracted to that. You get out of a relationship and it's mm-hmm. what happens. You like meet someone and then you like fall into another relationship really quick. <laughs> you know, <laughs> really you feel like surfing away right after you get out of a relationship and it takes balance and checking in with yourself and like knowledge. You gotta be like a little ninja. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, well, and it's that, like, honestly, I don't have an energy of desperation. Like I don't yeah. need a man. Yeah. I, I live on my own. I have my own business. I have a ton of friends I have all over the world, very self-sufficient. And so like, what's this? So it's like, I don't need anything from a man except also for play quality. pleasure, which is, vi- <laughs> which I know because yeah. I'm an energy person. I know what magnetizes. So I know also know what repels. That's why when I was in my relationship, I was like, damn it, if I was single and I knew what I know now, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I would, I could have my pick and I could be very picky. I could be very, but before in between my relationships, I was so desperate. I was so unconscious. Mm-hmm. I was so desperate. It was disgusting how, how I would mm-hmm. chase guys, like really. And I have compassion for myself because I didn't know, but now like, I don't, ch- I won't chase at all. What I'm not changed? interested. I don't have time. Um, I, I love myself more than, (laughs) than any guy. I love myself more than any relationship. I love myself. That's the biggest thing that changed. I I fell in love. Yeah. Like, what do you mean by love yourself? Like, like I, I respect myself. I choose myself. Mm. I, I, um, I have boundaries in place for my life. I, I have a standard that's really high. I'm, I'm not interested or available for, situations or relationships that make me feel like shit Mm. where before I would always compromise for the other person Mm -hmm. and now it's like well if this isn't working for me then I'm not interested and this is even what I said to this guy I said listen I'm putting this boundary up because I love me way more than I love having sex with you (laughs) I love myself way Mm. more than I love the playing and all that like way more and so like I'm gonna put that boundary in place because I deserve to have what I want. Mm-hmm. And since I'm still exploring, you know, I don't have to be um, trapped where when I was insecure and really desperate to be, va- oh, the other thing is I validate myself. Like I was always looking to men to be like, oh, you're so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're so smart. Oh, you're so confident. Oh, you're-. and now I don't, like if a guy tells me I'm beautiful, I'm like, thank you. I appreciate that, you know? I, I know I'm beautiful. I, I, I own that. Like for a long time, I never thought I was beautiful. And so I do, I'm like, thank you. I, I, I'm beautiful, but I'm, I, I'm beautiful because I, I'm myself and I don't take my shit out on people yeah. and I'm, I'm kind and I'm loving and it's more than my appearance. It's my energy. That's yeah. why I'm beautiful. Yeah. That's why. So it's all of that stuff. That's really helped me feel um, detached. So we'll see. I mean, I haven't energetically even opened myself up to dating until like last week. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> There's this awesome book uh, called The Art of Loving. I can't remember. David Rico. I think it's David Rico. But uh, he, it's I really stuck with me. He breaks love, the word love down into four like categories, four things. And mm. 
uh, one is respect and one is knowing and one is caring. And I can't remember the last one for some reason. The last couple of times I've mentioned this book, I can't remember the last one, but um, I really like that. Cause like love is such an easy word to use, but what the fuck does it mean? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. uh, it should mean something. And, and it's like that, uh, the guy who did the uh, nonviolent communication book, Rosenthal, I think that's his name. He talks about when you're communicating to have clear requests and not be vague and to like mm. be very specific, you know, with actionable things that you can do, you know? And so I just, it was nice to hear your explanation of what loving yourself means when you like get down to the actual actions, you know, cause that's what's helpful. Mm-hmm. People. And it sounds oh, like totally. you have answers for it. You really do. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's part of the work that I do with my clients too, is because when you can really validate yourself and release the need for other people to, you know, create that joy, create that confidence, create that, whatever it is you're seeking, when you can create that for yourself, then it releases that attachment to people and things and whatever it is. It's like, whatever you need, give it away. Right. And so for me, it's like, I've just decided to give all of that to myself because I've been in relationships for a long, you know, for most of my adult life and very unhappy, very lonely. And I realized that I'm never going to get what I want Hmm. from these men. They can't do that for me. Even if they're like the most amazing person I've ever met, they still can't do that for me. So I do that for myself. That's one thing that I've been kind of frustrated with in meeting people uh i would love to talk this out a little bit with y'all both of you um yeah uh i was talking to this person the person i mentioned earlier which we decided very quickly to be friends it was one of the coolest things i've ever experienced because i really have learned that after filling my life with all this like feminine energy that i'm very available for friendships with people who i'm attracted to too and um i mean only friendships like just platonic and I actually love it. And I've been really enjoying having that. And so we were talking the other night and uh, we were talking about this, about what do you want or what works for you? Cause they're in a similar situation that you're in and, um, or that you've kind of just gotten yourself out of, I guess is a good way to say it. Um, and it just kind of came out of, came out when I was talking to her that I'm just kind of frustrated sometimes that a lot of people seem to, not give to themselves because of ideas in our heads that we've had from society and you both i know are like sounds like you're monogamous people but i'm like really interested and curious about non-monogamy and not one person filling all the roles in our life and um and and i want to like put a little like dog ear on that page of your book that you're talking about right now because while i'm monogamous i don't expect my wife to I mean, like, I, as we've, as our Copy relationship that. has gone, my like needs from her have narrowed and my expectations from her for my well being have also narrowed a lot, like a, a huge amount. Right. Yeah. Right. And I know that you and your wife have agreement, cracks the door on non monogamy and leaves that kind of available. And I love that you have a little bit of like your 98% monogamous, you know? And I love that you, that's still monogamous mostly, Mm -hmm. you know, like vast majority. But my my point being that I have had relationships with uh, people recently where they were so fixated on 
um, wanting a person to like be there, the one person that they are with and fulfill everything that from my perspective, they've missed out on a, on a, on like possibility with me, you know, because I can maybe fulfill a role. Uh, and I'm not just talking sexually, like, like you said, play dance is a huge part of my life. Dance, play, laughter, joy, eating food together, calling, like it's, I'm very curious about how some people seem to not be able to be, to enjoy that with someone and still remain open to the one, you know, Mm. it's almost like they have to be open to the one. And if they don't find it, you know, they can't relate in any other way while they're looking for that. And I totally understand how that can be. Like you've just shut off to all other people because you're focused on this, but it puts a lot of pressure on that situation to be something maybe that it's not. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have any thoughts around that or Ronald, if you do, but that's probably one of the main things that I've been thinking about most lately. Well, I just have a question really quick. So monogamy, we're not just talking about sex. Correct. Right. Because totally. So it's like, so it's, so like for me, I connect with a lot of people in my life. I have like soul family all around the world and like, it's like that soul connection. And like, we, there's a, you know, I don't put all my eggs, even when I was in my relationship, like there was a lot that I didn't get from my relationship. I traveled on my own. I went dancing on my own. I, I did all these things on my own. And the only thing was the sex. That's why I was like, I got to liberate myself so I can actually go have sex and not feel like I'm cheating, you know? But, but if, but if you're talking about non-monogamy as being more than just a sexual, the sex that's open and having that open relationship, that's the thing is like, I am open to having multiple people in my life fill many different roles. And in fact, I think that's very healthy. I think it's very healthy because it doesn't put pressure just on one situation to fulfill everything about you. The sex thing is a little bit more complicated for me because I, I feel like I would get very insecure and very jealous, which is probably something that I could like work through, it's but like, I don't know if I want to. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Cause I was just saying, you say it's, but you don't know. Daniel's always giving the hard sell on this. So just, just, just know. I love it. What? No, I'm not. I, am I love not. it. That's giving you hard time. No, I love it. I love it. You know, I, I, uh, I do think there's something to not to non-monogamy. It's like, this is the problem with non-monogamy and monogamy as I see it, a problem. Mm. And I'm still building articulation around this. So I don't want this to come off like, this is what's true. I'm just, I'm exploring this. I'm curious about it. We got monogamy and non-monogamy and they're extremes on a spectrum. And there's most of what is, most of what can be experienced is between those two extremes. It's not the extremes, you know, we chuck, monogamous monogamous people chuck all the non-monogamous people into this far extreme and then non-monogamous tend to do the same and it's like Mm. there's so many ways to be mostly monogamous but then a monogamous person would be like that's not monogamous at all that's nominal it's like not true you know and i think we really need to relax a lot around these labels and explore the many ways to relate in between and it'll take a lot of pressure off and it at the same time, it will confront us with aspects of ourselves like that are very difficult and very emotional and very at times overwhelming and maybe too much so, you know, mm. like jealousy mm-hmm. and possessiveness mm. and fear yeah. of abandonment and rejection. Like those are intense, but also there's opportunities to be liberated there. I, I know it from experience. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I wonder if that's something I'm going to explore. Monogamish is, is a that's term a that Dan yeah. Savage from that's Seattle awesome. coined. Yeah, monogamish. I love it. Like good. where it's like, yeah, I mean, I know I would be confronted with that stuff because when my ex was doing boudoir and nude photography and like had our sex toy bag in his car and I'm like, so you're cheating on me. And he's like, no, I'm like, then why are the sex toys in the car and we haven't used them in like two really years, you know? And going over to this girl's house and she can take her top off and he's like, but it's not sex. And I'm like, you know, like, uh, so it created a lot of insecurity Jesus. for That's, me. That's uh, pretty fucked up. But, yeah, yeah, but he didn't think it was fucked up, yeah. which is, you know, that creates no safety in the yeah. relationship, right? No, like totally I didn't feel not. safe. But I think if I was in a situation where I felt safe, and and I could and there was trust and respect and safety. I I think I could open myself up to being more, you know, monogamish. What would, what would feeling safe look like to you? Um, having a level of communication where it was we were just really transparent, mm -hmm. and um, I knew what the intentions were and where they were coming from. And if it was not that I had to be, because here's the thing, like my ex used to always tell me like, make good choices, Roddy. And I was well, like, you don't even go dancing yeah. with me. Yeah. yeah. Like I would wear mini skirts. Cause like, I oh. love mini skirts and I go out dancing and he'd be like, make good choices. I'm like, I can dance with whoever the fuck I want. You know, like you're not out here doing it because we're in a committed relationship. And that's the thing. Like I'll never go back to that situation. You must be shocked like, that you spend so much time in that relationship. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a lot of healing happening in the last few months for me. He's, I, I've completely blocked him. I'm not interested in having him in my life anymore. But yeah, I mean, now I'm like, I will never be with a man who doesn't want to go like have cocktails and go on a dance floor, like weekly, like mm. no way. But that's the thing is, is like, does that have to be in a committed relationship? Mm. No. Yeah. Right. So I think it's like just feeling like I can be myself. I can be open. I can talk about it. And if like, they're going to be having sex with other people and I'm going to be having sex with other people just being really present to, can we talk about it? How do we feel about it? What's going on? Like, like, well, I know for sure I could be with, uh, I know for me, like I could be with a guy if I'm able to go out and have sex with multiple people, yeah. but if he's <laughs> out there having sex with other women, that's where it's like, that's the thing that feels totally unbalanced. Yeah. And that's like, I don't know how I would feel about that. I don't know. I think comparison would come up. Jealousy would come up. Am I good enough? Yeah. You know, hmm. stuff like that. But I'm sure I could face and overcome. I don't know if I want to. <laughs> what do you think about that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do I think about that? Yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. Uh, gosh, you know, my... I think all the learned behavior stuff that we were referencing before is, is at play here. Right. And it's at play for what we, whatever we think monogamy is and whatever we think it is for ourselves. And then, and then, then there's just our own sense of safety, like the thing that makes us feel safe. And I've watched you, Daniel, like really re um, reestablish what that means for you and safety in your life. And and I Thanks think your journey that. into um, non-monogamy has been part of that because you've, you have found safety, you have found yourself as a source of safety and you have found um, uh, things outside of relationships for a, a, 
uh, a part of safety, you know, a part of your life that needed to feel safe. And you've done a really good job at it. And I'm really impressed. And, you know, the Morgan and I got married in a, uh, in a cult, in a Christian culture that celebrated monogamy. That was, it's like, you know, the kind of the big thing you just, it's the sacred cow, totally sacred cow. And, and as we've gotten through, you know, 13 years of marriage, like we realize like, oh, people do things um, because they need something in their life. And there's, there's some part, something that's missing and something that they need wholeness around. And that might be a lot of self-love, right? Like that's probably the first thing you want to go, go, you know, that's the first shop you want to step into is like, what do I need? How do I need to love myself? And what do I need to do to become fully me? And then another thing is us realizing how much we need to unhook from each other in order to feel safe, you know, to find our safety within ourselves and the other, in the other systems that we've got. So, I, I mean, you know, we, where's the, po- where's the point in your life that you feel like not safe? Me Can personally? About like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah what I not feel safe. Um, that's a good question. There's so much, where do I start? Uh, <laughs> really? Did you say that you, you don't feel safe? Like most of the time? I think because to I, some extent. yeah, I think because the way I grew up, um, I don't, I don't feel safe most of the time. And I've had to uh, work really, really, really hard on my sense of safety. And, uh, and as an adult that I've really wrestled with that around my profession, I think more than anything else, because, um, I have, I have yet to like truly land in a relationship with my work where there's, um, not some sense of like fear around it. And, and I think it has a lot to do with the models of masculinity I grew up around and the models that were handed to me. And then what I learned, didn't learn and all those things. I was walking around the other night. We live in a great neighborhood in Northwest Portland and it's a magical neighborhood. And I'm, and it's, it's this mix of these old hundred year old kind of cool apartment buildings and Victorian homes and then brand new occasional very modern homes but lots of new like condos and and apartment buildings what neighborhood i'm very familiar with portland. northwest portland oh. we live in the pearl and, oh okay okay yeah. okay and um and i and i kept imagining myself uh moving into an apartment and i don't know why my brain was doing that but i was like oh i could live in that apartment i could live in that apartment and i was like wait why, why am i imagining that and why am i not imagining me living in that big house why is it hard? Why is it easier for me to believe that I could live in an apartment and heart and my brain doesn't even register living in a house. And, and then I realized like, Oh, well, one, one is my dad never owned a home. He died poor at 53 years old. He died unbankable. And, um, the, the closest thing he got to a house is a single wide trailer in a very shitty little ghost town, two hours West of Austin. And, um, I was like, oh, that's my, that is something I was gifted by him is this like inability to feel like I belong in a different kind of, you know, living situation. So I, I was really kind of trying to be really gentle of myself around that and non judgmental and, and kind and those kinds of things. Cause I, I live, you know, we live in this mix of like million dollar condos and, and, and then low-income housing. I mean, it's all like mixed in here together. And we live in our in the only rent-controlled building in in the Pearl. 
doesn't exist in any other place. So we have this like amazing three bedroom apartment next that we pay wow. hardly anything for next door, literally next door to million dollar condos and apartments. And, and so I do a lot of comparison and I feel in Daniel, that is like a great place for me to feel unsafe is like, is kind of in my own neighborhood. Like, do I belong here? Is this okay for me to be here? Mm. I have judge, it's I have funny. like judgments going both directions. Go ahead. Yeah. It's like, not just lack of safety, but you're also sneaking. It seems into just feeling a lack mentality. Oh, big know? time. Which, yeah, which yeah. depending on the severity or what realm of your life you're thinking about or feeling that in, that, that would make you not feel safe too. Yeah. That's probably I the like, thing I, I mean, that's probably the fear I have the most is like the, the lack thing. That's like my, I mean, we were poor, you know, I, I had friends buy us groceries in high school. Like it was, it was rough. And, and my dad died without paying a single penny of child support. And, um, and I, even though I've never gone through my life as an adult, um, jobless or unable to find work or any of those things. And we, and, you know, we have a badass life. We lived in Costa Rica this summer. We have traveled all over Europe. We've, we do, we do really fun stuff. We're fine. That kind of fear. It's like, no matter how much success we're experiencing, like there's always this, like, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. There's this, like, mm -hmm. you know, this part of me that no matter how high that ceiling gets, um, there's some part of my brain is like, well, because I can't afford a brand new fucking hundred thousand dollar car in cash, I am not enough because I, you know, I, and I could continue on with, with, uh, examples. It's interesting. Of that. How do you, so like when you, you like identified a situation in your, in your mind, in your emotional yeah. experience of this world, right. In your belief system, probably I think of the inner world as like our emotions, our beliefs, our thoughts, yeah. our yeah. you know, feelings, our emotions. Um, and then, but I'm curious, like, I know there's a lot of like, in this world, there's a lot of I kind of call it slapping the water. You know, there's something churning underneath the water mm. and making waves. And then we're on top of the water, kind of like trying to smooth the water out. You know, mm. it's like the thing underneath is kind of churning the wave. That's what's making it happen. Mm. And so like a what, duck, you mean like I'm, a duck's like looks cool, collective <laughs> on top and underwater. He's just like going as best he can. No, that's okay. not really what I'm saying, but <laughs> trying to help that, you out on this metaphor here. A duck's feet are definitely underwater. No, no. Like imagine there's a body of water and there's something underneath there churning up and making waves on top. And then okay. someone says, Hey, go stop those waves. Mm. The waves being our, like the expression of our thoughts and feelings. I, I'm you know, seeing the waves, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you got to go stop the thing that's making the waves underneath. Yeah. Don't slap the water, you know, right. for me, the thing underneath is my emotions, my beliefs, mm. you know, those deep thought patterns that were like, you know, instilled very early, the ones you all have been talking about today. And so, you know, like reconstruct that, you know, rebuild it and change it. So, so you have a different expression on the surface of your life, you know? And so I'm curious what you do, how you and, and Heather, you too, like how you approach that, how do you change the, not the narrative, but how do you change what is being expressed in your life? your experience of life do you i'm gonna let you... heather go first because i know she's got a hard stop in a few minutes and then if we need to we can... i know i'm like i could be here for a long I time i love talking with you guys yeah. um well it's interesting because like my my safety because i have safety in a lot of areas in my life but where i don't feel safe is my finances mm -hmm. because i left a very successful business that i built and then in the last three years have accrued a shit ton of debt trying to build my business online and all of that 
And it's like, now that I'm single and it's like, I don't feel safe with yeah. that. Mm. And one of the practices, because I'm all about mindset, I'm actually doing a soul camp after this and I'm talking to them about mindset mm. because your mind is everything. It's everything. It's like 90%. Your subconscious rules 90% of everything. Exactly. So when you go back into the root, which is what Daniel is talking about, I totally understand what you're saying and completely agree. That's where the change happens. And then the external expression, as you say, starts to change outside of us. Like, for example, because I've struggled with scarcity and lack around my finances and like I'm an entrepreneur because I need to prove something, mm -hmm. I need to be successful, I need to make all this money. Yeah. And when it doesn't happen, it's like you're a failure, you know, like what the fuck are you doing? And like my safety, yeah. my security, all the fear, all the anxiety comes up. So part of my journey has been practicing like unwavering faith and trust mm. and abundance and seeing abundance in other areas of my life that are, that's not money, the abundance of love, yeah. the abundance yeah. of beauty, the abundance of what, what my overflow is in the present moment. That's awesome. And, you know, it's really helped me as I'm building my business and I have months that are epic and months that are zero yeah. go. It's not the dollar sign doesn't reflect my worth but it's a daily, sometimes moment by moment, like I'm launching a new program right now and my mindset, oh my gosh, I'm doing so much mindset work, so much. It's all internal because my mindset wants to go, no one's buying in, you're failing, you're failing, you're failing. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I got to go to the root. I have to reframe. I've got to get rid of that because I don't believe that's true and really start reaffirming what's true. And it's like a chant, it's like a daily affirmation, it's speaking it out and constantly staying in the present. And that's what allows me to continue moving forward, not mm -hmm. being in the past, not allowing my past to define me, not allowing what hasn't happened yet to define me, but going, where do I have abundance right now? Yeah. And how can I sink into that and have gratitude for that it's beautiful because at the you know that's all you have yeah well that's gosh, awesome. thank you heather you're amazing appreciate it uh tell us uh where people can find you and how to follow you and all those things oh you guys i've really enjoyed my conversation with you i love how fucking authentic you guys are <laughs> i love the realness the energy it's like, I really feel like I'm connecting to like soul brothers. So I appreciate, I appreciate this so much. Um, where people can find Thank me, you. I too have a coffee or I have a podcast, Coffee Talks with Roddy. Uh, you can find it on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, I'm also on Instagram, The Roddy Method. So and Roddy if you is spelled hear... R-O-D-D-Y. Yeah, yeah. R-O-D-D-Y. Okay. Yeah, yeah, The Roddy Method. Um, and if you find, come over and say, hi, like send me a DM, yeah. you know, I love engaging with my audience and connecting. So cool. Yeah. I noticed yeah, that. that's where you can find me. That's like, I kind of, I know you have a lot of followers and I was like, I messaged you one time just to like show appreciation for some posts you did and you got, you got back to me. I thought that was really cool. It's a, it's a high value of mine. Yeah. I, I want people to be, feel seen in my community and know that mm. I'm not just there for the numbers. I'm there because I fucking care. That's right why. On. Awesome. So that's amazing. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Heather. I really appreciate you. And I, it sounds like we could probably like pick this up back up again at some point and just continue. Yes. Talking. I'm down for another conversation. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Cool. Well, you'll hear back from one of us and we'll try to keep this conversation going on. 
Awesome. Cool. Love it. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Right, nice to meet cool. you. Take care. Bye. 3R. Field dressing. Heather Field Roddy. Dress. Field dressing. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. She's an awesome person. What makes you feel unsafe, Daniel? Um, being too attached to a woman romantically. Huh. Yeah. By two, I just mean like, no, two, just being too attached. Can I ask you a challenging question around that? Yeah. 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 Is that part of, is that why you're attracted to non-monogamy? Because you don't want to be attached and therefore hurt? No. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? It's the opposite. Non-monogamy, non-monogamy in my experience so far exposes the attachment oh wow it I makes bet. it even more challenging because it's not because it's it seems not safe you know right seems not safe but it's, it depends on your definition of what safe is you know so non-monogamy for me it allows me a little bit of work it allows me to confront that um part of me that doesn't attach safely and it allows me to spread it out and it also allows me to address pretty acutely when i am how i am attached you know, if I'm in a monogamous relationship, it's very easy to feel safe um, and not be safe. <laughs> and in, in a non-monogamous right. yeah, relationship, yeah. it's like very easy. It's the same. Right. I'm sorry. It, it's very easy to not feel safe and potentially be very safe, but also not be safe. And I'm sorry. Yeah, I got a little. I, I want to come back just a couple sentences because you said it's easy to be in a monogamous relationship and feel safe and not be safe, and yes. I completely agree. I completely agree, and I think there's a false sense of security and safety people have with the idea of being in a relationship, and the yes. idea of being in a committed relationship is like somehow this person is going to complete them and make them feel safe and make them feel whole. And somehow the, everything that's been offline in your personality and your body and your mindset and your consciousness and unconsciousness will some, suddenly come online and like suddenly start to work. Yeah. The and, safest I've ever been in a relationship was a non-monogamous relationship. Hmm. Like the actual safest, yeah. like, am I going to be betrayed? Absolutely not. You know? Yeah. Am I loved? 100%. Like, Do you think that was because of the because it seen my perception of not the non-monogamy world is that there is a tremendous amount of required communication yeah. and consciousness around the whole thing. <laughs> That's why a lot of people say they don't want to do it. But when they say that, I'm like, yeah, you're probably not a very good communicator in your re- normal relationship because there's a lot that goes into a monogamous relationship. You know, I feel like one has to enjoy the communication. Maybe one not has to, I yeah. need to, I love the communication. The most intimate thing I ever experienced with a partner was the night that I slept with someone else and this was all agreed yep. and she knew it was coming. Yeah. And the next morning we had a discussion about it and it was so amazing. Man. It was mm. like the love that I felt for her and the care. Cause I knew it was challenging for her and she was very experienced in non-monogamy, but mm. it still was challenging for her. Yeah. And then that, that care and love that I was expressing opened her up and then made her feel like really curious about how my night went and then kind mm. of it turned into an erotic thing and it was mm. just like very loving it was really really cool yeah you know yeah 
And I was like, so fucking grateful. Cause like who gets to go out and have a romance with someone else while you're in a loving relationship and have it be supported. Right. It's, it's an incredible experience. Yeah. It sounds like it. I, I know? think that's the thing that impresses me more than anything is that is this idea that you, that communication is a requirement, Huge. like deep communication, like yeah. real seriously vulnerable communication. It's a fucking pain in the ass. It really is. Yeah. It's a lot of work. And I think that the, the, that's the trap or trick of what we think marriage or monogamy should be is that somehow you can get away with not being honest because you just don't say shit. Things are not said and things are like are left out. And, and there's a, a huge false sense of security because everybody in that, in that thing kind of just settles into this, like, um, this is how it should be. We don't need to talk about it all of these things I'm feeling desires, whatever, not sexually, non-sexually for friendship, for whatever it might be, don't get brought up or rarely do. And even then there's, there's a lot, I think, self-editing that happens where people don't want to say exactly what they're, what they're experiencing. And then, um, and then there's like resentment and acting out and all kinds of other ways that create, um, you know, that your con your subconscious is like, Hey, I actually know who you are and I'm going to bring it to the surface <laughs> and you crack the door on that shit. And, and it's going to come out if you start, you know, if you continue to deny it, right. Like there's this like denial part where it's like, no, 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 no. But you're actually giving it a lot of attention by, you know, telling it to go to the corner yeah. and mm-hmm. keeping it hidden. Um, so that's what I, that's what, that, if there's anything that actually, draws me it's not the it's not it it, it's more the wild communication and honesty because i think that is fun like the the, when morgan and i have like really leaned into that like wild honesty and communication it's never not served us it's been uncomfortable in the moment for sure but it's always served us it's a really intimate experience and it yeah and it doesn't have anything to do with monogamy or non-monogamy yeah. just having radical uh honesty which is tricky right because yeah the, that truth that people say about you don't need to know they don't need to know everything that your partner that's true totally that's totally yeah, true right at the same exactly time right. it's really nice if you can find this little time to do it or a way to do it that works yeah. where you're just radically honest yeah and maybe you just say like okay they don't need to know everything but let's say you're you're like 90 percent honest and you know you could be 95 percent honest and that would feel really intense because you don't really go that far totally. you don't need to be a hundred percent like yeah i don't yeah. need to know everything that goes through my partner's mind but that five percent and this is an arbitrary number that you that you are acting beyond your norm that's that can be really interesting to share and experience i found it in my non-monogamous relationship happened to be a non-monogamous relationship Mm -hmm. that brought out this time where we needed to and decided to be more honest than we Mm -hmm. were used to and by we i meant me it was more me (laughs) on yeah it was i was on the hot plate on this and i was like fuck it you know i'm gonna do it and i just started saying things that i would normally withhold huh you know, and they weren't that last hundred percent things. They were just the next five percent that I would normally hold, and it yeah. was fucking liberating. Yeah, I bet. Because I bet every so. time I did it, it was met, and what I said was taken, and it the worst case scenario I thought would happen never happened. It was the opposite. Yeah, it was like either not that big of a deal, or it was accepted, or it started a cool conversation between us because they felt the right. same thing or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally, totally. Um, uh, 
gosh, there's so much I want to say around that. Oh, the one thing I want to start with is is there's a tenet in um, recovery circles that says uh, we make amends unless it does harm to somebody, and and I think that right. there are moments right. where right. being brutally honest um, is brutal. It's brutalizing to people to hear totally. certain things about your life, and so yeah, totally. there there is like discernment that's required. You know, real careful wisdom around that honesty. And yet I think probably most of the time, like relationships could handle, let's call it, you know, 30% more honesty. Right. And exactly. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. just more than is, is your resting state. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Not everything, but it's more, you push into the uncomfortable spot. Totally. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, uh, what else I was going to say about honesty. Oh, it, it that honesty almost becomes this like way for Morgan and I to flirt with each other. Yeah. Like when we're able How to so? really be honest about even like, I don't want to say, I, I don't want to over eroticize or over sexualize this, but even in the playful banter of like talking about fa sexual fantasies or um, something in our past or something and being honest about it and sharing it in a fun way has, yeah. has always been a really great way for us to connect. It's been, and we've, I think we've been going through kind of a, a renaissance of that recently. And it's been really nice. Yeah. It's been great. Yeah. Another point of contact. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Another point of contact. Yeah, totally. And that's what I liked about non-monogamy too, is there was a lot more points of contact. You know, some of them were intense and I didn't like them and they had to do with insecurities, but, but sorry, you say something? Well, I was just curious, like, I don't, I don't remember, I mean, we've been friends a long time, but I don't remember that there's like this being this point in your life. And that's what I want to ask about. And, and that is like, what was happening when you thought maybe I actually need to lean into a non-monogamy because I need to reestablish my relationship with my own sense of safety, because I need to, to deal with this fear that we talked about at the beginning of this, um, of uh, this, you know, third part of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Like what was going on? Like, how did that even occur to you? That's a cool question. Um, well, it started coming up and it's up in the world. There's a lot of people. Talking yeah, about it's very, it's like in there. And, and I know that Portland in particular is like kind of an epicenter of, of poly something. I guess, but still like, I think that it's that, that epicenter is maybe big in Portland, but that yeah. epicenter is expressed in every city in the world. It's all over. Yeah. I, I think so. You know, I think so. Anyways, it is true. Portland's really big in, in that world, but it's up in the world. And it's up for good reason. First of all, I'm not non-monogamous. I'm, I'm not a monogamous. I'm, I'm, everything's on the table right now. And I'm just curious mm. about it. You know, I'm, mm. I'm mm. trying different things and discussing right. different things. There's a lot of anger about non-monogamy and a lot of misconception there's a lot of bitterness in women that I've noticed from the, my online perspective. Yeah. I'll read on profiles a lot. I don't want to hear your non-monogamous bullshit, you know? And it's like, okay, yeah. you don't understand non-monogamy. Yeah. <laughs> like you've yeah, been yeah. burned, probably dealt with a guy um, or a woman who was like, yeah, not conscious using, about it, using non-monogamy yeah. to be a jerk, you know, right. Um, there, you can mishandle anything. And I think non-monogamy is a very delicate, hot flame and you need to mm -hmm. be very careful with it. Yeah. Um, relationship and love in anyways is, you know, but it just started coming up in relationships 
and it came up more and more and more. And I had one gentle little experience of it after another until I met someone who was like full on non-monogamous and like jumped into the sharky waters, you know, hmm. which was too much. They were sharky waters. Like I should not have been swimming in those waters. It was too much. Yeah. I didn't know that, but I do now. Yeah. yeah. So now I, I know much more about how to do it, but nothing really in particular. It was like, I, well, I guess to answer your question, short, the short version would just be, I really like to have sex with new partners, you know? Hmm. I don't know what to say. I, yeah. It's not anything that I should be ashamed of, but it certainly causes a lot of problems in my life. Um, mm. Like I don't get to be loved, you know, by someone amazing a lot of times because they don't want to do, they don't, that doesn't work for them. And it yeah. really makes me sad and sucks. I just lost someone, as you know, because of that. Mm. Never gotten along with anyone better in my entire life. We never yeah. argued. said one unkind thing to each other. We were fascinated by each other. We had really good sex. We like are we met on so many points, you know, it was mm. amazing. And mm. because I'm not willing to commit sexually to one partner, it was like bye. Mm. You know? mm. And not only was it bye, but it's like bye with a little bit of a judgment, you know? Mm. Like, oh, you just want to have your cake and eat it too. It's like, well, first of all, we can all have our cake and eat it too. Mm. Share the cake, you know, there's yeah. a lot of cake. <laughs> You know? Yeah. And also, like, even if you are having your cake and eating it too, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. If it's consensual and right, of course. I, yeah. I just I was really saddened by that. Yeah. It, it's kind of gotten to me, to be honest. And I and I, I gotta you know give you a high five and say you at least appear to me. I mean, I think you're being honest, but you've never hid this part of yourself as you've entered into relationships, and you're always put that out there pretty quickly. Uh, no, mm. I haven't. nice way to own that man good job well it's fucking sucks man it's hard to be honest about that part because you know you're saying you're reject you're going to be rejected yeah more often than not because non-monogamy is very it's not the majority more often than not you're going to get rejected and you might even be judged right and that person that i just mentioned they're upset with me because i Mm. wasn't that honest but it's because i didn't quite know if it was true and then I even told them that and they were like, oh, well, thanks. So you just experiment. <laughs> appreciate that. Dana. Yeah, Fuck that you. does feel you know? shitty. <laughs> and it's like, well, they're yeah. kind of right. But also, yeah, yeah. no, I wouldn't do that again. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it's just. You send her like a gift basket or something. <laughs> it's no, she's actually awesome. We still haven't said anything unkind together. She's just very honest. Nice. She's just like, yeah. I feel like you didn't blah, dot, dot, you know? And I was like, well, it was dot, dot, dot in mm. actuality in my mm. experience. And. So I'm working it out still, brother. It's yeah. tricky. Hmm. It's very tricky. Well, I kind of it's funny because it the irony is it goes back to that honesty thing we were talking about in relationships. Yeah, and <laughs> and does. you know, it's like the fear of the being found out or the fear of like saying exactly what's on your mind, or any, you know, there's a th- thousand ways to phrase that. Yeah. Most people in monogamous re- re- monogamous relationships are feeling that into the relay, like deep inside it because they got in like i'm safe here i am and then they don't yeah, say exactly anything else, right? exactly and uh get and, it out early yeah you know, that's the way that you like if you, if the world is truly an abundant place in all ways if that's true mm. um then there is no there's a eight billion people half of those are women half of those are probably within my age range half of the you know you start yeah. whittling it down and there's tens of millions of people that you would probably be have a really interesting time with and even if it's not tens of millions, hundreds of thousands, like the one, the idea of the one, there's a lot of the ones out there. Yeah, opinion. I agree too. I, agree. I totally agree about that. Yeah. Get really clear with yourself. Be Learn how to speak it. Speak it bravely. Um, 
and you and a person will find, I think, the people that they are aligned with. And I have found that a lot easier to say than to do. <laughs> it's just hard, man. I feel like I'm constantly, you know, shooting myself in the foot with someone I'm attracted to. And this thing with my most recent like friend, we met, we had great chemistry. And then, but I really quickly, because of my last experience, spoke the truth. And it was received like, this person goes, wow, I really appreciate you saying that. Mm. And I was like, yeah, but I like you. Like, can we be friends, please? You know, yeah. she was like, absolutely. And now I talk to her like every day wow. and there's nothing sexual between us. Yeah. And it's awesome. Yeah. Cause I still get to have this person in my life. Right. Right. We have, nice. We're aligned. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. I appreciate that. Daniel, thank you for uh, setting this up with Heather and she was delightful very smart person. I really like hearing her journey and, and what she's going through and yeah, she's love the kind of diagnostics she was going through with me at the beginning. Um, <laughs> I mean, it reminds me, I mean, like it really does kind of brings me back. Like the most powerful thing I've ever done in my life ever for anything has been loving myself. And that is not an easy thing to do. It is hard. It's a learned skill. And, and for me in particular, I have to like revisit the effort pretty often. And, and kind of like, it's almost like you go through a 12 week workout routine. You know what I mean? It's like the, the, here's the 12 week container. And then you take a break for a while and you go, okay, I know at this point in my life, I need to kind of revisit this again and be systematic about it again. And, 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 I, and, and for some reason that like really hit me in these last few weeks. Like, I, I don't know if it's cause it's the last 90 days of the year or what it is, but I thought it's time. It's really time to like revisit how, like myself like am i doing the things i want to be doing am i loving myself am i creating my sense of safety and i it's 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 a, it's a timely conversation for me awesome yeah well i'm glad i'm glad it was good for you i uh felt a little bit like i bailed on you because i i was kind of just observing and i think i got a little shut down to be honest and mm. i hope shut down by what oh well which the beginning of the conversation i i was like not finding my way into the talk oh. you know so I hope you didn't feel abandoned there. No, I did Talking. not. I felt okay, safe. <laughs> no, I was not meaning to use the verbiage that we've been talking about today, but but it was so good. Teed me right up, man. Thank friend you. to friend, you know. Just... <laughs> no, it's all good. I could tell something was weighing on you. I was just curious no, it wasn't weighing. That. I just yeah. couldn't. I just like you know mm. you, you, the, the art of conversation, man. You know, uh, and sometimes it's like you you don't find your way in, and then you just observe it, and now you're not really part of the conversation. You're an observer, you know. I get it. I I, I get it. I uh, I wanted to end with a um, a quote from uh david rico who you oh. mentioned and um because i was trying to find the four the four or five different types of loves you're talking about and i <laughs> couldn't right. but i found this quote as you they're guys not types of loves they're aspects of love aspects of love um yeah. so this is interesting uh and, and i'm bringing and i'm bringing this up because of how much i referenced the hero's journey and all those things which i you were the first person to ever inter introduced that to me probably a decade ago, man. And that wow. changed my life. Totally changed wow. my life. Awesome. So here's the quote. In the hero stories, the call to go on a journey takes the form of a loss, an error, a wound, an unexplainable longing, or a sense of a mission. When any of these things happen to us, we are being summoned to make a transition. It will always mean leaving something behind. The paradox here is that loss is a path to gain. 
you can be a hero in so many little ways by being honest because you're afraid you're going to lose something and you kind of are, but you'll, you'll gain more, be more aligned. Yeah. You know, I feel that, man. Dude, that was perfect response. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to add a single thing to that. Mike, we did it. Another episode. I'm not going to actually drop this expensive mic, but like, (laughs) don't drop your mic. It's too nice. (laughs) All right. I love you, man. Love you too, man. Talk to you later. See ya.